Um, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. This is going to be the final week of our Encountering God worship series. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had kind of God kind of a, interrupt things. And so basically, this was the plan to finish up um, this week. It was going to be an eight-week series. It turned out to be a seven-week series. So we're going to take the last two messages, and we're going to plop them into one. So we'll be here till about two o'clock, uh, just so you're aware of that. We've ordered food in. And no, we haven't. I'm sorry. Um, so... We're going to try to put this together and, and put a bow on all this to finish out this series. And then uh, next week, we're going to start a Christmas series that we're going to be doing for the remainder of uh, or pretty much the most of December leading up to Christmas and um and all the fun stuff that has to do with that. So we're going to go ahead, like I said, and finish up this. Our, our text has been 2 Corinthians 3.18. Um, this has been kind of where we've been all this time. And basically, we are going to, to do that. We're going to finish up this series with talking about the last couple verse, or the last couple words in here. Uh, last week, we talked about being transformed into the same image. Um, today, we're uh, going to talk about from glory to glory, and then also just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Basically, what we need to understand, the, the, the whole point of the remainder of this message is this, worship is eternal and it is led by the Holy Spirit. Worship is eternal and it is led by the Holy Spirit. We were going to do worship is eternal uh, basically last week and then we were going to finish up by led from the Spirit this week. We're going to throw them all together. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more tied to my notes than I usually uh, normally am because I actually have a lot. Usually I can get it all on one page. I actually three pages of notes, um, and so I thought we'll just make sure I can actually read it and things of that nature. So we're going to jump right in. We'll see how my voice does. Um, it's either going to get stronger as the day goes on, or it'll quit altogether, and uh, then we'll just go have lunch. So you, you pray for what you desire the most, I guess, and we'll go from there. So let's go ahead and pray and get started. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, we need you right now. I need you. I need you to help my voice. God, as it's, as it's kind of Going in and out as it's kind of weak right now. Father, I just need your help. I need your spirit to just empower me. And Father, I just need your words to exit my mouth. Father, you're so good. We love you so much. And we ask that as we continue, or as we kind of finish this up, that Father, that, that we would truly be changed in your presence in every way, shape, or form. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to jump right in here. We're going to start with point number one, worship and eternity. We're going to start by looking at what eternity really is and kind of uh, see how it kind of plays into worship. Now, as we get into this, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures, but I want to start with this, okay, so you understand this concept. Worship is going to be a part of eternity, but I want to also help you understand that that won't be the only thing that we do. I remember as a kid, I had this vision of heaven, like some people do, where we were all kind of on the clouds, and we all had a harp in our hand. And what we do all day for eternity was bring, bring, bring. And I remember as a kid going, I don't know if I really want to go there. That seemed a little bit boring to me. But worship is going to be a part of what we do for eternity. It's going to be a part of it. It won't be all that we do, but it'll be a very important part of what we do. Let's look at Revelation. We're going to start here by looking at Revelation 4. In Revelation 4, we see this. It says this. It says, And the four living creatures, each of them had six wings and are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and 
and is and is to come. As we continue on here, it says this, And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him, who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him, who is seated on the throne, and worship Him, who who lives forever and ever. They cast down, they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, and we continue on with verse number 10, Worthy are, 11, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is going to go on forever and ever and ever. This is never going to cease. This is going to be a part of what we experience in eternity. It's going to be a part of, of expressing our love and our thanks to God. It's going to be part of our worship to Him. It's going to be a part of who we are and what we do, and we need to understand that. But if we fast forward even a little bit further, and we go to Revelation 22, as you know, Revelation 22 is the last chapter in the book. We see this. It says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. At the end of all things, when everything's finished, when when basically the, the period is put at the end of the sentence, and God basically says time will be no more and everything's done and eternity we are going to worship God that's going to be a part of who we are now, when we talk about worship in eternity, it takes several different forms, and we need to understand that. We can worship God by the way we live. We can worship God by the way we talk. We can worship God by the way we act. We worship God in many, many different ways. And I don't ever want us as a people or as a group to look at worship and go, that's that thing that we do where there's music playing every Sunday morning. Worship is much more broad than that. It's much more important than that. And it's going to continue because we desire to learn. We desire to grow. And in worship, those are things that happen. We are transformed. We are made more like the image of Christ. One of the things that we have to understand is God is so big. God is so amazing that we can never truly or get to the point where there's not more to understand about God. There's no point where we understand that there is a growing point that ceases in our lives. Look at this. It says the depths, and your notes, it says this, the depths of the unfolding of his glory can never be exhausted. Therefore, our growth should never cease. There is no such thing as arriving as a Christian. There's no such thing. Okay? You, listen, I, I don't know about you, Emily and I in Easton, we traveled this over Thanksgiving, okay? We got in the car, we went down to Albuquerque, uh, Easton, I got to see his, his, his papa and grandma, and we had a great time. But you know what we did? We got in the car and we started towards Albuquerque. Okay, And as we go, as we went, we got closer and we got closer and we got closer. We started seeing road signs. Albuquerque, 223 miles. Albuquerque, 180 miles. Albuquerque, 50 miles. We were going to get there. At some point, we were going to, as you would understand this, arrive at Albuquerque. One of the mistakes that we cannot make as Christians is this concept or this thought that I'm going to arrive at a location or a place. And once I'm there, I am super spiritual man and I got it all figured out. God is too big for that. God is too huge for that. I had somebody once tell me, we need eternity because God is so big, we'll never get him all understood. One of the things I'm excited about eternity is the fact that we are going to learn more and more and more and more and more about God. And it's never going to be, we're never going to get to that point where we're like, God, I figured you all out. God's that big. God's that huge. God's that incredible. 
See, that's what's great. And like sometimes we get to know each other. You know, we had, we had Thanksgiving, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm not silly. I know how things work in families, you know. Sometimes you don't want to get to know them a little bit better, you know. It's like you're kind of getting to know them and you're like, okay, that's, that's probably enough, you know. With God, the more we know, the more we love. The more we know, the more we are amazed. The more we, we know, the more we stand in awe of him and his greatness. Can you imagine? Look, most of us are going to have roughly an average, I don't know, what, what's the average age for, for people? 80 or so nowadays? 60? Something like that. We have that short amount of time to figure God out, to experience him on this earth. When we are gone and all this is taken care of, whether we go to heaven because we, we, we die or God takes us home in another way, Whatever it is, we get to experience God in amazing ways for all eternity. And one of the ways we're going to do that is worship. One of the ways that we're going to understand him more is as we worship him. And so that's going to be a part. You need to understand that. That's not a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. Worship in eternity. It's going to be awesome. Next, we're going to move on now. We're going to go into that second part of our scripture which is basically the part where we understand how we are led by the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit leads us in worship. The Holy Spirit leads us in worship. Listen, listen, you need to understand something. I'm going to kind of, I know some of you know this, but for those that don't, we're going to pull back the curtain. When I was a kid, every year we would watch The Wizard of Oz on TV. My mom loves that movie, and it used to be on television. I think it was on NBC or something like that. It was on a holiday. I don't remember when it was, but I just remember always watching it. And I always remember as a kid, wasn't it awesome as a kid? You know, because everything was usually in color when I was younger. But as a kid, when when Dorothy, everything was black and white. And she opened the door and everything was in color. I used to to love that. There is something so special about that moment. You know, this has nothing to do with the message. I'm sorry, but I'm going here anyway. There is something like I believe God gives us glimpses of eternity. I think God gives us glimpses of things. And I think that 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 picture that the person that made that movie had absolutely no intention of making. But it's something there that's something that we got to talk about real quick is this idea that that there was everything was dead. Everything was you look at Kansas. It was all dead. It was nasty. It was black and white. And there was something about when that door opened and everything was in color and everything was bright. I think that's an awesome illustration of our when we accept Jesus. Everything's dark, everything's whole, everything's bleh, and the door opens and everything just pops. Everything changes. Nothing to do with the message, but I just, you know, anyway. Anyway. And so, so in this, this concept, you know, we, 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 we're going to pull back the curtain. And in that movie, you know, Oz is sitting there in all the fire and all this sort of things. And little Toto goes and he pulls back the curtain and there's a little man. And he's, and he's sitting there and he even speaks into the microphone, paying no attention to the man behind the curtain. Okay, we're going to pull back the curtain for a second. Okay? John is not the worship leader here. Okay? Now, do we call him the worship pastor? Yes. Do we call him the worship leader? Yes. But the Holy Spirit is the worship leader. Okay? There's a big... Excuse me, there's a big difference, and I want you to understand that. We as a people and we as leadership, we desire to not just let our plans be what happens, but we want to let the Spirit lead us. We want the Spirit to come and interrupt us. We want the Spirit to be able to come in, and we want to be open to taking our plans and putting them aside and letting God's plans come through. Now, what does that mean? Sometimes it makes it look a little messy, Sometimes it doesn't look as organized, but that's okay. Because what we want is what God wants. 
What John wants in our worship is what God wants. Because here's the thing. I don't know if you realize this or not, but sometimes the songs, you ever had this happen where you'll be in worship and you're just going through something and then the song that is sung just ministers to you so strongly? You think that's an accident? You think the God who spoke the very worlds into existence does things by accident? You think that's a coincidence? No way. God doesn't work that way. God's too controlled. He's too organized. He puts things in. I mean, you know, you, you, you go to science class and what do you learn? Well, if the earth was this further away from the sun, we'd all freeze it. If it was this closer to the earth, we'd all burn up. You think that was an accident? God does those things in his ultimate wisdom and knowledge. And he will do that and he will speak and we will listen. And when we listen and when we're obedient, cool things can happen. But we need to understand that the Spirit leads us. The Spirit leads us in all things, and especially worship. So we're going to talk about some things. There are many places where the Holy Spirit desires to lead us so that we may encounter the Father. Okay? These are some places the Spirit leads us. Number one, he brings us to the face of God. He brings us to the face of God. And and, and what I've done here is basically I've kind of broken this up into kind of more of an outline. You can see it in your notes. It'll also be up there on the screen. And basically I've put some some points and some little sub-points with a lot of Scripture. Now, I didn't want Linda to put all these Scripture. We'd be here. It really would be here till 2 if we went through each one. But they're there for you to study later. They're there uh, so you can look at and see. And so those are there in your notes on your paper. If you don't get paper notes, they're outside uh, in the foyer. You can get those and look at them later. But first, we're talking about the face of God. What is the face of God? What happens there? It's where, excuse me, it's where he speaks to us of himself. It's where God shares who he is. And next, it's where he turns our hearts in repentance. When we go, the Spirit will lead us to the face of God. These are the things that God wants to do. These are the things that God desires to do in those moments. Now, here's what's beautiful about the Spirit. God could lead you to the face of God, or God could lead me to a different place, okay? But all that God is wanting to do is bring us to some place to encounter God, okay? So we need to understand that. So the face of God, number one, number one. Number two, the hand of God. The hand of God. This is where we take our place alongside him as his bride. Now, we got to understand this is this is important. I mean, obviously, it just fits right in. I didn't plan this. Twelve years ago, it just seemed to happen because God's cool. But basically, twelve years ago today, I took the hand of my bride and walked to the front, well, to the stage. I'll never forget it. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Here came my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife yet, but my fiance, who was soon to be my wife, was coming down the middle with her dad. And I love this. I love the imagery sometimes of certain things. And so her dad was there and the pastor looked and I've done many ceremonies before. I've been the one to be able to ask this, which is so much fun, is basically who gives this woman to be married to this man. And thankfully, her dad didn't say, no way, Jose, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this. But he said, her mother and I do. And at that moment, I came down. He placed her hand into mine. The father sat, and I walked with my soon-to-be bride to marry. You know, sometimes uh, we, we get this idea that the hand of God is, is, is a negative thing. And, and I will say this. I believe it can be a negative if all we're wanting is what God can give us. 
But if we understand that sometimes what the hand of God is, it's grasping a hold and becoming one. It's, it's grasping a hold and becoming the bride and walking alongside our Father. That's a beautiful thing. Also, next, it's where we find his blessing and protection. When we take his hand and we're walking with him, he protects us, he guides us, he's with us. It's also where he molds us. We talk about this a lot with, with, with uh, and, and I believe when, when, when the Father molds us and we're the clay and he's the potter. Where are we in that moment? We're in his hands. We're in his hands. And he's forming us and he's molding us into who he wants us to be. And also the final thing is where he hides us. He hides us in his hands. He protects us in his hands. He keeps us safe in his hands. And so we sometimes the spirit will lead us to his hands. Next, sometimes the spirit will lead us to the feet of God. To the feet of God. This is where we fall down in worship. This is where we come to him. And we see this in the woman with the issue of blood. She falls at his feet. We see this as far as uh, some of the things in Revelation. Where, where the people fall down at the feet of Jesus and the throne and begin to throw their crowns down. It's where we worship. It's where we, we lay prostrate before him and where we understand how awesome he is and how we are so blessed and awestruck for who he is. Next, his banqueting hall. His banqueting hall where we sit down and feed from him. It says, I remember when I was a kid, we used to sing that song. Um, um, oh man, it just went out of my head. Banner over me is love. Yes, that's it. Yeah. And I, I know, I know the, the name now, but now I can't remember the words. Um, but something about he, he welcomes me or he brings me to his banqueting table. Hey, listen, listen, I know this is going to sound weird to you. Okay. You want a deep theology study for the, for, for, for 2019. Okay. You want God to blow your brains out and really hit some really deep, amazing truths that God has for you. Go back, find all the songs you sang when you were five and study them. There is such truth in those things. Okay. Think about it. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak and he is strong. Okay, I, 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 I'm not going to do this because I want you to come back. I could do a literally, I could do a three month series on that song. There is so much amazing truth there. Okay? But he welcomes us to his banqueting table. Why is that important? You gotta understand the culture. You gotta understand the time. To be welcomed to the king's banquet was a big deal. To be welcomed in, it meant you were part of the family. It meant that you were a friend of him. It doesn't mean we were a servant anymore. The servants served. We got to sit down and enjoy the feast, the merry supper of the lamb that's coming. We're gonna sit down at his banqueting table and enjoy him and feed from him and know him. It's gonna be awesome. It's also where he prepared prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Psalm 23. He prepares for us, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of hard things, even in the midst of things that are not easy. He prepares a feast for us. Listen, spiritually speaking, there should not be an anorexic Christian. There is plenty to eat. It's time to eat. It's time to enjoy. It's time to know him in greater ways. And the Spirit will lead us to those places, which is awesome. Next, his throne room. His throne room, where we come boldly and bow humbly before our King. One of the most beautiful things about Scripture, one of those I just love so much, is this concept that now, because of what Jesus has done, we can walk boldly into his presence. 
That matters. That's big. That shows us that we are a part of the family. That means that we can go before our king at any time and be in his presence so we can come to him. Next, his seat of judgment or justice and judgment. Now, that seems a little strange, but you got to hear me here. This is where we obtain forgiveness and justice. We come. Listen, you got to understand something. Okay, I understand we got this worldview that basically says, oh, no, 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 judgment's bad, justice is bad. Listen, listen, that's where we get forgiveness. That's where God can do something amazing inside of us. We don't need to hide from the justice and the judgment of God because he forgives us. We understand now that we can obtain those things, not because of how great we are, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done in us. Next, his secret places. His secret places where we grow nearer to him and receive his treasures. Those secret places, those places that sometimes, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I truly believe that, that God wants to do this in our lives. This understanding that God will sequester us for a while and let us experience some deep secret things of him. Now, those secret things aren't weird and spooky and not biblical. Please understand me here. But sometimes God wants to speak directly to your heart about situations that's going on. Things that God desires to do in you and help you understand. And you need to get that and be okay with that and welcome those things in your life. Because sometimes that's where he'll take us. That's where the spirit will lead us. Next, the outer courts of his presence. The outer courts of his presence. This is where we celebrate and rejoice because of his greatness. We celebrate and rejoice in the outer courts of his presence. And then next, the gates of his holy place. This is where we become attendants of his majesty and servants of his court. This is where we actually get to be busy and begin to do things and serve our king and actually begin to work for him and do things for him because we love him, because we desire him. And finally, the last one here is this place of prayer and intercession. This place of prayer and intercession. This is this private closet. You've heard about this, the, the prayer closet. This is what this is talking about. The private closet and the right hand of God. So many places, so many things. And this is what you have to understand. The Holy Spirit draws, directs, and leads us into every encounter with the Father. All we have to do is, is respond with all our hearts. Listen, I understand at times what we can run into as a people and as individuals is we're not sure where to go. You know, it's like, do we know we need to worship? Yes. Do we know we need to spend time with God? Yes. But not all the time are we really for sure how to do that. Listen, the Spirit wants to lead you in those things. The Spirit wants to take you by the hand and take you to those places. The problem that we have sometimes is we don't like to be led in areas we don't know where we're going. We want to know where God's taken us. We want to know all these things. Listen, sometimes God will lay it all out for you. And trust me, as a person that likes a plan, I love it. I love that. And other times, God looks at us and he kind of looks at us like he did Abraham. And he says, listen, I'm going to need you to go. And I'll let you know when you get there. Neither one is bad because they're bringing us closer to God. They're bringing us closer. In fact, probably, at least for me, and I'm just going to speak for me, my faith grows more when God just says, go and I'll let you know when you get there. Because my personality is not that way. My personality is like, I like to, I like to know. 
I like lists and plans, and I like to be able to check off my list and say, okay, here's my goal. I want to get here, and I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and this, and then we're going to get here. And sometimes God just says, listen, I just want you to go, and I'll let you know when, I, when you get there. And that's hard. Listen, and let me explain something to you. That's hard for a pastor. Because there's some of you that that look at pastors and they say, he better know where he's going at all times. Listen, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be times where I'm going to look at you and go, I got no idea. I know God said go. We're going to go. Where we're going, I don't know. Let's go on the journey. Let's find out. There are going to be times where I'm going to go, listen, God spoke clearly, and this is what we're doing, and this is where we're going, and that's going to be those, I'm going to be so much happier in those moments, okay? But there's going to be times where Jesus just leads us. There's going to be times where the Spirit just grabs us by the hand and says, come on. Come on. I got something for you. I got something for you. Listen, you got to understand something. God is wanting to lead you into some amazing things. God's not going to walk you off a cliff. Okay? Now, in your journey, there may be some painful moments. There may be some hard moments. There may be some difficult moments. But listen, he is with you. He is walking with you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. So listen. I know it's not comfortable sometimes. I know it's not easy sometimes. But sometimes, as a people, we have to be willing to totally and completely trust the leading of the Spirit, trust that He's got us, trust that He's leading us to a special place, trust that He's doing something in us that only He can do, and welcome that in our lives. Welcome that. The final thing, as we we close all this out, as we put a bow on this entire series, and, and I, I know that, you know, it's, it's been a long series. It was a series, quite honestly, that I, when I started out, I did not think it would go this long. But God just kept showing me things, and I just kind of felt like we needed to spend a little bit more time. But as we kind of close, I thought this was a great way to close this. Because I don't know about you, but I want to do the things that God desires. Okay? I want to do the things God desires. And I believe we see the Holy Spirit leads us to fulfill the desires that the Lord has for his children. I believe the Lord desires certain things. In fact, I feel like the Lord expresses seven desires concerning the church and her relationship with him. Seven things. Seven things that I see in scripture that says, now now God desires other things, but as far as God desires for us, his church. Okay? And I want to do the things that God desires of me. Okay? If God says, I want this, I want to do that. Okay? Sometimes we make this too complicated. But this is things that God has spoken to us and that he desires. So the first one, the desires that he has. Number one, the beauty of his bride, the church. Look at Psalms 45. Now, in these, I wanted to put the scripture up so they'll they'll be up on the screen. They're also going to be in your notes. It says this. It says in Psalms 45, it says, And the king will desire your beauty, since he is your Lord, bow to him. Now, how does the church experience beauty? What is beautiful to God? A church without spot and wrinkle. Now, what does that mean? I remember as a, as a kid, my, my, we would go to grandma and grandpa's church, okay? And they'd sing that song, and they'd clap. It's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And I remember sitting there going, what in the world does that mean? Does that mean that God really wants us to do laundry? Does that mean that, that, that if I have a spot on my shirt that God's not pleased with me? No, it's talking here about sin. 
It's talking about being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's talking about here being able to understand that God desires a pure bride, a bride that is, is focused on him, that has moved away from sin and is moving towards him. God desires that in you. God desires that in his church. Listen, why is that important? Why does that matter? Real simply, because when you go out of here and people see us, they want to be able to see something that looks different than they do. They want to see a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. Now, does that mean we're perfect? Absolutely not. Does that mean we act perfect? Absolutely not. That's called being hypocritical. But it's understanding who makes us clean. And it's understanding that God desires holiness in our lives. Does that mean we're perfect? But we're striving towards that. We're letting God do that inside of us. He wants that beauty to come out. He desires that for us. So the Spirit leads us in that way. The Spirit, because of his conviction, will bring us to a place of repentance. And that repentance washes us white as snow. And because of that, we become beautiful in God's sight. Is what he desires for us. Next, next. I have to turn my notes over here. See, I'm on page three. Crazy. Zion, number two, Zion to be his dwelling place forever. Zion to be his dwelling place forever. Psalms 132. In Psalms 132, it says this, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Now, you have to understand something. Zion here is a poetic and prophetic um, name for the worshiping church. It is basically that he wants to dwell in the midst of his worshiping people forever. He wants to dwell with us. Isn't that amazing? Now, I want you to stop and think about that for a second. Sometimes I do this because, I, I mean, there's, I know we're getting you a lot of information right now. But I want you just to stop. We got, well, we got time. Yeah, we're doing good. Okay? Stop and think about that for a second. God wants to hang out with you. God. You know, God. He desires to be around you. I remember hearing a comedian when I was at high school, and he says, you know, what's amazing about God is not only that God loves you, God likes you. He made the comment, he's like, listen, I've been at Christmas and Thanksgiving. I love my relatives, but I don't necessarily like them. God likes us. God desires to be around you. He wants to dwell with you. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If that doesn't put a smile on your face, if that doesn't make you go, oh, my goodness, please take your pulse. Because in that moment, I I got a feeling, I don't mean to be harsh here, but I got a feeling you don't really understand who God is and you really don't understand who you are. That is incredible. That is, God wants to be around us. I could have used scripture in Revelation where basically at the end of all things, he says, and now I will dwell with my people. I will be their God and they will be my people. In this beautiful thing. It's awesome. God desires to be around you. He desires to spend time with you. He desires to be in the midst of your life. God wants that. It makes complete sense that we would want that. But God desires that, and the Spirit will lead us to that place. The Spirit will help us to understand that. Number three, 
Truth in our inner being. Truth in our inner being. Look at Psalms 51. It says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Listen, you know what this is really, I think it is about? Remember when David sinned? Remember David sins with Bathsheba? And what does he say? He goes to God and he begins to write Psalms. And one of the things he writes is creating me a pure heart. Okay? God wants there to be truth and beauty deep, deep down inside of you. Because here's the thing. What's deep, deep down inside is going to come out. What's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. What comes within your heart is going to come out in your actions. What comes in, what's deep inside of you is going to come out in the way you treat people, in the way you handle your kids, in the way you talk to your wife, or the way you talk about your husband. All these things are going to be a part. It's what's in here. It's going to come out. That's why God wants us to be pure. This is why he wants truth to be there. That's why God says, you take my word and you hide it in your heart. Because where that truth is, beautiful things can come out. He desires that for us. He wants that from us. He wants us to change in that way. And the Spirit can lead us in that. Next, number four, love above sacrifice. Look at Hosea 6. In Hosea 6, it says this, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. God wants you to love him. God is more interested in your love than your sacrifice. Okay? You get what I'm saying here? So, so you come to me and say, listen, we've been honoring people that have been doing things and helping out. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about those things. It doesn't mean that God doesn't, that doesn't bless us through those things. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to be involved, okay? But we got to start with what matters most. And what matters first is we're doing those things because we're in love with Jesus, okay? Everything comes from that wellspring of life that says, I love him. I desire him. And so I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to be obedient. Because here's the thing. Why did they have to do sacrifices at that time? Why? Because they were disobedient. When they didn't do what God asked them to do, that's when the sacrifice came. God's here saying, listen, listen. I want you to be loving me and I want you to be obedient. Because when you do those things, there's no need for a sacrifice. There's no need. Many of you have heard this statement before, this idea of, as I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. You heard that? You know, we've done that sometimes. Listen, that don't fly with God. That's not what God wants, okay? Now, listen, we mess up. God is faithful, and he'll forgive us and all those things. But listen, what God wants is our love. That's what he loves. That's what he desires. That's what he wants from you and me. And the Lord and the Spirit will lead us in that and help us to understand that. Next, for us to know and worship him. Now look at Hosea 6, 6b. This is the, the, the rest of this. It says, for I desire, we started at 6, and now we talked about the love over sacrifice. Now we're going to jump to the end of 6, okay? The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God wants you to know him. God wants you to experience him. More than sacrifice, he wants your love. More than than the burnt offerings, he wants you to know him. So here's the question. What are you doing to know him better? What are you doing to understand him more? One of the things that we do is worship. 
One of the things that we do is we leave this place and we spend time with God alone. We study, we look, we read our word, we spend time in prayer. We do all these things that I know we've heard about since we were you know, really young, but they're so vital to our walk with God. He wants, to, he wants us to know him. He wants us to experience him and know his heart and know what he's doing and what he wants to do in us. Number six, he desires all of our heart. Look at Song of Solomon. It says this, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. Question. Some of you are married, some of you aren't. Some of you will be one day. How do you think things are going to go in your marriage if you don't give your complete self to your husband or your wife? It might go okay for a while, but you know what? I don't think that's going to work out real well. I don't think that's going to fulfill and do the things that God desires for a marriage to be. God wants all of us, and we don't like to do that, do we? We like to hold on to stuff. Like, well, God, I'll give you this, and I'll give you this, God. You can forgive me, and and you can make me um, a better person a little bit. But this little area here, God, that's mine. That's mine. And I don't, God, I don't want you to touch that. God, that, that, that hurt belongs to me. I identify with that place. And so, God, I'm going to hold on to it. And, and, yeah, you can deal with all this other stuff, and you can definitely deal with these other people, and you can definitely do all this other thing. But, God, it, it, you, you, it hands off. You know what's amazing about God? God will actually listen to you. God will say, listen. I desire to do great things in you in every part of your body, every part of your spirit, every part of your mind, every part of your emotional makeup, every part of who you are. But if you say no, my hands are off. Wow. Listen, can we, can we just love God with everything? And I know that's hard, okay? I'm not sitting here saying, oh, yeah, it's so easy. I do it all the time. No, I know it's difficult. But there are areas in our life that you have basically at times said, God, this is off limits. Maybe it's time to say, God, it's time for you to deal with this area. Because he desires every part of us. Every part. The ugly parts and the beautiful parts. The things that we're ashamed of. The things that we don't want him to deal with. Whatever it is, God wants to do those things. And sometimes what the Spirit will do in worship is he will lead us to that place. He'll lead us to that area that's off limits. That we basically have the caution sign up and and the tape up and all those things. And basically he'll say, listen, God, God, I want to do something in your life in this area. And then it's up to us to let him do it. But he desires all of us. He desires every part of us. And number seven, for us to see his glory. For us to see his glory. Look at John 17. Jesus here is praying. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom I desire that they also, whom you have given me, speaking of his disciples, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Here Jesus is expressing this. I could have used the the, the illustration in, in Exodus, but here we want New Testament because I wanted you to see Jesus desires this too. He wants us to experience his glory. He wants us to experience who he is in his majesty and his greatness. Listen, one of the things, listen, and you're going to hear more about not necessarily this particular thing in the next coming weeks, but as we move into Christmas, 
One of the things I love about Christmas, one of the things that I love about it is there is a sense of awe in us as people during Christmas time. There is a sense of awe in me to think that the God who spoke the very world into existence, who was there, came as a baby and was placed in a feeding trough in a nasty old cave. That brings me to a place of, God, God, what? God, your son, you brought, and then you start getting into the fact that, that he was born to die. For me, I mean, you begin to see the story that it begins to play out, and it's filled of awe and wonder that God would come. Listen, that is his glory. He is expressing it. And sometimes we just need to stand back and be in awe of his greatness, awe of his wonder, awe of all that he is. Because I'll just be honest with you. Maybe you have figured it all out. Maybe you've come to a place in your mind where you've been able to rationalize in your head the God of all creation coming and rescuing me when I'm the one who ran away and I'm the one that sinned and I'm the one that basically thumbed my nose at God. Maybe you have, but I haven't. I haven't. I can't get my head around that. But he came. For us and for me. And that's amazing. That's incredible. He desires to show us his glory. And what's beautiful about what God desires, look at Job 23. In Job 23, we see this. But he is unchangeable. And who can turn him back? And this is awesome. What he desires, that he does. What he desires, that he does. Not only does God desire to do these things in us, not only does the Spirit desire to lead us to these things, God desires to make it happen. And when he desires it, he does it. He opens those doors for us. What's our job? Our job is to walk through them. Our job as a people and as individuals is to say, God, I don't always understand. God, I don't always get what you're doing. God, sometimes you ask me to go places that I don't know where you want me to go. But God, I'm going to go because you desire for me to know you. You desire for me to love you. You desire for me to experience you. You desire for me to do these things. And God, if you desire it, I want it. I want it. I desire it too. There's scriptures that talks about how if we ask anything in his name, we'll get it. And that scripture has been taken so out of context in so many ways. Really what that is saying is, as God changes our heart, as God changes us, our desires change into his desires. Our desires, what we want, we we change from going, boy, I really, really, really want that really, really expensive car to I really, really want to know him more. And God loves to bring those things about. God loves to bring those changes inside of us. God brings those things. What he desires, he does. If the worship team would come on back up, we're going to close. I know that you know, as I was putting this together, you know, you kind of want to finish things in this real cool way, I guess. And you kind of, you know, I mean, you're talking about worship and 
and all these things. And I was kind of, I was going to open my heart a little bit here. I was kind of complaining to God, like as I was putting this together, because I, I knew that this was some of the things I was going to talk about. And I was kind of like, you know, God, this is boring. <laughs> you know, I kind of like, I feel like a teacher in science class, you know, I'm just regurgitating facts right now. And, and, and I was kind of complaining about that to God. Because I'll be honest, I was kind of hoping for like a little bit more of a, um, you know, I'm just trying to be honest here, more of like an emotional response. I mean, you know, worship can be emotional and that's okay. And I was just kind of like, God, why, you know, aren't we going to have this like big, like, you know, you, you have these, you know, this idea that, you know, all of a sudden everybody is going to just like, these light bulbs are going to come off and come on and, and everybody's going to worship like you think they ought to and, and like God wants them to and all that, you know. And, and, and the problem is, is that you probably worship a lot different than I do, and that's okay. And as I looked at this and I was praying about it and I kind of complaining, God really kind of spoke to my heart and he kind of said, do you want what you desire or do you want what I desire? Look, we finished this whole series with seven things that God wants. Now, you may say, well, Aaron, you could have saved us a lot of weeks and just done this. Maybe. But here's the thing. I believe with all my heart that as we as individuals and we as people, if if I could just boil it all down, if we can do those seven things, it would change everything. Change everything. If we could understand that we don't know it all, and there's still knowledge to know, if we could understand that God desires our love, not just our sacrifices or offerings, that He desires us, that He wants to dwell amongst His people, how would that change you? Because here's the thing. We like to focus on what we desire a lot. We like to focus in on what we want a lot. Can you imagine what we would do or how we would change if we just spent half the time focusing on what God wants? Studying that and working towards that. Look, it's not easy. It's much, we are much more selfish people. But here's the deal. When it's all said and done, it's not about how loud you sing. It's not about how quiet you sing. It's not even about if you raise your hands or you don't or you stand or you sit. It really boils down to is your worship, is your worship really fulfilling the desires of God? Too many times we focus on the outward, not on the heart. And it's a simple question. Are you doing the seven things? If you're not, okay. Guess what? If everybody's honest, probably none of us are, really. We all got to do better. That's okay. But listen, you got to start someplace. Let's start together. Let's let God speak to our hearts. And maybe God will say, listen, you know, you're good at one, two, and three. Four, you need to work on. Five, six, seven, eight, you're doing great. But let's work on this. That's sometimes what God does. He helps us grow. And more than anything, this whole series about worship was help us to discover more about who God is and grow in Him. Big shock. 
That's who we are. That's what we do. But the thing is, you have to make a choice on your own. Am I going to desire the things that God desires for me? Or am I going to think I know best? Or think I know better? Or think I have an understanding that God just hasn't quite come to reality, come to grips with yet? What's it going to be? It's one or the other. I'd love to say we could find some middle ground here, but we really can't. Listen, I know there are going to be times where we do a really good job. There's going to be times where we need to do better. It's okay. God loves us through it all. But today, let's desire what God wants. Let's desire what He desires for us as individuals in His church. So let's do this. Let's all stand. I just want to pray. And then John and the worship team are going to come and they're going to lead us in a closing chorus, okay? But Father, we come to you right now. And Father, we have been talking about worship for eight weeks, basically, seven weeks. And God, there's been a lot of information. There's been a lot of cool things. You've done things in people's hearts. And Father, there's still things you're wanting to do that people haven't been open to quite yet. And that's okay. Because God, you don't force us. But God, right now, you have laid out before us seven desires of your heart. You haven't even asked us to get there. Your spirit will lead us to them. And so, Father, I just would ask that through your spirit, you would just question us. Where are we at on these seven things? Does our worship, does our life, does the way we handle situations, does it show these things? Because if it doesn't, Father, you desire to do this in us. And so, Father, we open our hearts to those things. Father, we open our hearts to allow you to do in us what only you can do. Father, I had to fight this over the last couple weeks because it wasn't what I desired. And God, forgive me. Forgive me for thinking that I knew better than you. Because, Father, you put all these things together. You brought all these people here for this moment. No one is here by accident. No one is here by oops. You planned it from the beginning of time. And now it is our choice to change, to let you mold us or shape us, or to walk out of here and be the same that we were when we walked in. Father, I pray that none of us make that choice that say, nope, I'm good. Father, I pray that today, you would change us and help us to be more like you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.